This is the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Today's episode, I'm titling Suspicious Devices, and I'm going to use a recent news story as a departure point to discuss photography as a threat. Stay tuned. A few weeks ago, a story showed up on breaking news. You may have seen it pop up on your news source of choice that a plane had to make an abrupt landing at New York City's LaGuardia Airport because of a what was first labeled as an unruly passenger. And later, it was labeled as a passenger who had a possible explosive device with them on the plane. The plane was en route from Indianapolis to New York City. The plane made a very quick landing because there was a disturbance in the cabin. When the plane landed, the 200 or so passengers had to evacuate the plane immediately down those blow-up safety slides right out onto the tarmac. Meanwhile, the suspect was pinned to the ground and taken away in handcuffs. When I first saw this story, I just figured it was another situation where somebody was not wearing a mask, where somebody had too much to drink on the flight and they were giving the flight attendants a little bit of a a problem. But that's not the story at all. Actually, the cause for alarm was that a woman who was on the plane had spied another passenger looking on their phone at a website that had various mechanical or technical looking objects on it. She thought maybe it was a bomb making website for some reason. And then the the person, the suspect, actually took out a device out of his bag that resembled what was on the screen and started handling this device. And apparently that's when panic ensued Uh, The woman feared that this person was about to detonate a bomb on the plane and hence the abrupt landing and evacuation of the plane. Well, what does this have to do with photography? Quite a lot, actually, because it turns out it wasn't an explosive device at all. Apparently, it was a vintage camera that the passenger was handling, and he had been to a website that had vintage camera equipment. And I guess this was what first piqued the interest of one of his fellow travelers. And instead of perhaps striking up a conversation with this person or asking the stewardess or steward for help, she decided, I suppose, that she was going to freak out and call this thing a bomb. With all of this high security, you see something, you say something world that we live in for the last 20 years now. I guess it's not surprising that somebody would mistake a vintage camera for a bomb or an explosive device. I think that the suspect, quote unquote, 
that was detained for two hours and then released when they realized it was a camera that he was holding, has grounds for a lawsuit. I've carried vintage cameras on planes in bags myself, as perhaps you have. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely a photo enthusiast. So could have been you and it could have been me. Thankfully, it wasn't. But I really feel sympathy for this fellow photographer who went through all of this chaos and abuse for absolutely no reason. This whole situation got me thinking about why is a camera seen as a threat? In this situation, clearly it was just someone who was ignorant or overly sensitive or paranoid who thought that a camera or a device they didn't recognize was a threat, an explosive device. But what's really interesting is when we pull back the layers of this story, we can see all sorts of situations where a camera and a photographer could be perceived as a threat. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So when is a camera a threat? When is a photographer seen as a threat? Well, in reality, there are times when people are doing things illegally, nefarious behavior that they don't want documented, and the presence of a camera to those people, those wrongdoers, can be seen as a threat. And it, it is a threat, I suppose. You can document illegal behavior, and that can be used against the person. Also, if you add to the fact that pretty much everyone is carrying a camera with them at all times as part of their smartphone of choice, documentation of all sorts of behavior is pretty much the norm. And anytime you see something out of the ordinary happen, some kind of extraordinary behavior, someone acting badly, someone providing bad service, someone being violent, someone being aggressive. You could pretty much depend on someone in the area taking out their phone and documenting with most likely video, but also maybe pictures of what this situation is. And it doesn't take long for that footage to make its way around, uh, sometimes at an extremely large scale when the behavior is particularly newsworthy. But what about people who are using a camera with no intention of being a threat to anyone? And I think this is where the gray area really begins. Many, many photographers, and I'm including myself in that number, will most likely tell you that they've been somewhere at some time with their camera, taking photographs for whatever reason, and they've been questioned about, who are you? Why are you here? Why are you here with a camera? What are you taking photos of? Who do you work for? Are you taking photos of me? Are you taking photos of my property? Are you taking photos of my children? Are you taking photos of women? Are you taking photos of, I don't know, all sorts of things. 
And what's interesting about this is now we're talking about a photographer's right to take photos in a public space. There are limitations in private property, limitations of whether you can even use a camera in those situations. An extension of that ends up being people do use cameras for inappropriate things. And there are news photographers who are documenting news. There are fine art photographers who are creating their own artwork based on whatever's in front of them. And that is where things are quite unclear. Most people in a public space don't realize that they are fair game to be photographed. They don't need to grant permission for someone to take a photograph of them if they're in a public space. I'm not going to get into the legal parameters of model releases and giving rights to have your photo used in a commercial manner. That's a completely different discussion, I believe. But if we look at what happens in just generally in street photography, there's a whole huge genre of photography that is people taking photos of other people in the public sphere on the streets. I'm walking down the street and someone approaches me with a camera, I may not want my photo taken. And I can ask them not to take my photo, but that can't stop them from taking the photo. When I venture into public, I am actually giving up a degree of my privacy. There are numerous photographers who have pushed the limits of, let's just say, what's ethical. It may be legal, but let's just say, is it right? Is it right to take a photograph of somebody in a compromised situation just because they're in public? Is it right to take a photograph of someone who's struggling with mental illness? Is it right to take a photograph of somebody who is homeless? Is it right to take photographs of someone who is intoxicated on drugs? If they're in the public sphere, perhaps yes, they're fair game. But then it's down to the photographer to make that decision for themselves of whether they really want to take that photo or not. There are photographers who've made a career out of being very antagonistic on the street, who see it as their right to do that kind of work. And I don't disagree with it. In fact, I've seen some street photography work. Bruce Gilden comes to mind. One could probably even go back to Gary Winogrand and his techniques. Uh, Mark Cohen is another photographer who I really admire his work. But one could look at that body of work, or Gildens, or Winograds, or Martin Parr perhaps, as well as many others, and wonder if they are pushing the limits of what is okay and not okay. I'll look at a, a photograph by Bruce Gilden and I can appreciate what he went through to make that photograph and the fact that many times he's gotten into people's faces with his camera and popped off a flash and they weren't expecting it. And there is a lot of drama that results from that approach. There is a lot of visual energy that is a result of that approach. There's a lot of humor. Uh, but then there is also potential for anger, potential for hurt feelings, potential for confrontation. Those people 
who were walking down the street might have felt threatened by a man leaping out at them with a camera. Of course, if you're on the streets of New York City, where Gildan does a lot of his work, you're ready for pretty much anything jumping out at you at any time on the streets. So it ends up being part of the whole chaos, chaotic fabric of the streets of New York City. Mark Cohen, on the other hand, has made his career shooting in smaller city of Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and I believe his approach is slightly less aggressive than Bruce Gildon's, but there are lines that one thinks perhaps he's come up pretty close to crossing. But when you look at the work and sometimes I just say, well, that's a great photograph and whatever it took to get it, that's what he did. He got it. I didn't. I wouldn't even put myself in that situation. So it's a lot of things to consider beyond what's legally allowed. And I think we all have our own individual barometers, our ethical barometer of what's right and what's wrong. It really does come down to personal choice. One person may think that camera in your hand is a threat, and another person might not even give it a second thought. So I hope you enjoyed this brief exploration into the idea that a camera or a photographer can be perceived as a threat. Uh, I don't really know what the right answer is here. I think it's up to us as individuals to decide what we're comfortable with when we're making our photographs. I am curious to hear what you think though. And to that end, I suggest that you go to the rightidominantpodcast.com website down at the bottom, there is a comment section where you could drop your name and contact information and then leave me a comment. And uh, I look forward to maybe hearing back about this subject. And in the meantime, all of you out there who, like me, do travel with vintage cameras, just be careful. Make sure they're clearly marked because you never know, it might be your turn down on the tarmac with your hands cuffed behind your back and your camera being whisked away. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. This has been the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I am Nick Toro Jr. Until next time, stay well. The music for today's episode is courtesy of the Free Music Archive, The Conant Project, PC3, and Jazar.